0: Welcome to the Men's Global Live Stream. If you have a Bible, you'll want to hold a spot in John chapter eight. We're in part four of a series called Turning the Tables. And it's the series is just like it sounds. You, you see something going in the wrong direction, you see it, you recognize it, you confront it, and then you get it going in the right direction. You turn the tables on the situation. And if you're God's man, God's gonna call you to confront certain things. And in part one, we learn that God will call us to confront ourselves, right? Sometimes the hardest one of all to confront and turn the tables. We're going in the wrong direction. God calls us to confront ourselves, look in the mirror, get things headed in the right direction, turn the tables on our direction, right? Other times God may call us to confront other believers, other men, and do it in a biblical way out of our love for God, out of our love for that person, and out of our identity in God. And then in part three, we learn how God will call us to confront injustice, to give what is due. We see things happening, and it's going in the wrong direction, and people are suffering. And God calls us to step in and suit up and show up and confront injustice in order to bring God's righteousness And God's justice into that situation. Well, today we're going to see how God will call us to confront the lie and replace it with truth and then live out the truth. You see, as human beings, we're very complex creatures. We are a complex ball of needs and wants and longings and hopes and desires. Amen? But sometimes, in fact, many times, there are obstacles or barriers or challenges to seeing those needs and wants and longings and hopes and desires realized. And that causes a dilemma. Well, how bad do you want something? Uh, what are you willing to do to get it? What do you tell yourself to go in the direction of getting what you want. What rationale, what what rationalizations do you use? What justifications do you use? And having done men's ministry for over 30 years, I saw, I've seen many times where there's a need, a hope, a want, a desire, and a guy really wants it, but there's obstacles, and God is allowing those obstacles to build faith and trust, but we want to pole vault over the need and the obstacle, and here's what happens. We adopt some twisted logic, either to stay where we are or to run ahead of where God actually wants us to be, and that gets us in trouble. Amen? I'm sure you've been there. I've been there many times as well. I mean, at some point, we all tell ourselves a lie, whether it's big or small, whether it makes sense to us or makes sense about what we're doing, but deep inside, we know that That logic that we're using is not of God, it's a lie, it's a deception, but it will allow us to go forward to get what we want. So in today's session, we're gonna hear from Jesus on truth versus lies. We're gonna look at some truth killers and some truth builders. And then we're gonna look at a simple application. And so if you have that spot in your Bible, in John chapter eight, why don't you go ahead and turn there If you don't, I encourage you to download the notes when we meet together because the scripture is all in the downloaded notes. So let me read John chapter 8 and listen, listen closely to Jesus and the whole theme of truth versus lies. Jesus says, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And so you see and sense this frustration uh, in Jesus when he's talking to men And he's confronting them. It's like, am I not being clear here? Why are you not listening to me? Why are you not believing me? Oh, there's this other character involved, right? I'm telling you the truth and this other character is telling you a lie and the lie is winning out over the truth because the liar is involved and his lies always lead to death. He's a liar and a murderer, and so we see Jesus put truth versus lies into a, a context for us that we're going to unpack right now. And you can write this in on your fill-ins. According to Jesus in this passage, truth versus lies is Jesus versus the devil. So when it comes down to what we believe, we can believe truth or we can believe lies. There are two sources. There's Jesus and there's the devil. So every self-deception, every rationalization, every justification, every fudge, behind that lie is the liar, and he's very invested in you believing his lies so that you can behave out of the lie that you believe. Then there's the truth teller, there's Jesus, And Jesus speaks the truth. He desperately wants you to believe truth because instead of leading to death, his truth leads to life. And thus, the frustration that men would choose to believe lies and experience an outcome of death versus believe truth and take in the truth and internalize the truth and then believe that. And experience the outcome of life. And that's the next point. Truth versus lies, according to Jesus, is synonymous with life in God versus life outside of God. You want to live life in God? God is in truth and reality. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? God does not blend lies with truth. There's no 90-10 blend or 80-20 recipe, God's pure truth. God will only speak the truth because he is truth. You want to live life in God? You got to live life in truth and reality, right? In, in what is, not what you hope it to be. And I find in men's ministry that a lot of times uh, men will, will live life mostly in the truth, but then in certain areas of their life. They will live in this realm of wishing and hoping uh, and in, a, in an unreality that they've created in their head, and they've, they, they've said it so many times that they actually believe it, right? And it's not true. It hasn't happened yet. It's not a reality, but they talk as if it is a reality. That's not life in God. That's life outside of God. Why? Because it's not real, Right? Now, truth versus lies is is all about life in God versus life outside of God. If you're you're rationalizing things, if you're justifying things, if you're uh, talking about the future as if it's a reality in the present, before it's even happened, you're living life outside of God. Number three, truth versus lies is about belief versus unbelief. You notice Jesus' words. um, He's telling them uh, about his words versus the devil's, truth versus lies. And then he says, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And isn't that the battle? Living in truth versus lies is all about belief or unbelief in God. And of course, we want to believe in God, but then we have to believe what God says fully. That's true belief. Not, not half belief or three quarters belief or 90% belief, but a full belief in the words of God. And Jesus is beside himself. He's like, man, I'm, I'm telling you the way it is. I'm telling you what life is. And still, you don't believe me. And there's an exclamation point in the scripture. I, I don't know how he said it, but I'm sure he was frustrated. And, and that goes to us and those words travel through time because it's the same dynamic now. Jesus knows that if we believe truth, we will behave out of that truth. Jesus also knows if we believe the devil's lies, we will behave out of those lies and there are consequences to those. And so we have to turn the tables on lies and really get good At getting out of the lie and going in that direction in any relationship, in any circumstance, in any dimension of our lives, and stick with truth and reality. And believe truth and reality and let it be what it is and let God be bigger and let him speak to us in the midst of it. So now let's get into some truth killers uh, in our lives and we're gonna look at some scenarios in the Bible with certain characters and we're just gonna talk about how these situations, these attitudes, these mindsets, right, uh, kill the truth in our lives. And the first situation that really kills truth is being afraid. And we have to go back to the garden, gotta go back to Eve, Adam, the devil, God speaking truth, the devil speaking lies. And we're gonna pick up the story where after God has spoken, Truth. Don't eat the fruit over here. You can do anything you want. In any area of the garden, you can enjoy it. Just don't eat that. That's truth. It's a a command. It's truth. And they're going to die if they do. Now, let's see the liar, the devil, come into play. Quote, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, a lie, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. So do you see uh, FOMO in play, right? don't know what FOMO is, fear of missing out. Um, and that wasn't the reality of missing out. God said, you know, don't, don't eat of it. Satan says, oh, that's because if you do, this is going to happen. You're gonna, your eyes are going to be open. There's going to be this mystical experience and you're going to be like God, just like Satan to say, right? That's why he got kicked out of heaven for wanting to replace God. And so that's his narrative. To, to Eve in this moment. That's his narrative to us now, too. It's like, if you do it God's way, you're gonna miss out, right? He won't meet your needs the way you need them met. He won't meet them now if you do it this way. So he's holding out on you, and that narrative makes us fearful. It's like, oh, my needs, my hopes, my wants, desires, I'm gonna miss out if I do it God's way, right? Fear inside, so he plants the fear so that she'll believe his lie. That's what Satan does. And there are many men listening to me right now. Satan has planted the fear of missing out. The idea that if you do this God's way, your needs won't get met, right? And you're acting out of that fear. You're running ahead of God. You're not listening to the word. You're doing things in your own power. You have believed a lie. And my encouragement to you is to repent and come back to the truth. God's God's up to something. If God's delaying something, you know, a want, a need, a desire, a promotion, a relationship, or something like that, and we're going to see in truth builders, he's got a good reason. But that's the first situation that will kill truth in your life. If you let fear dominate your life, you are going to listen to the devil's lies. Secondly, uh, is being arrogant. And we see this uh, vividly in the life of Saul in the Old Testament. And I want you to see and listen for what God says, right, truth, and what how Saul responds to a command of God. In 1 Samuel 15 says this, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here comes the truth. Now, go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lamb, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, quote, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and not carried out my instructions. So do you see how, in this narrative, God says to do a certain thing, in the moment, Saul says, well, I know better. God God said one thing, I know better than God, I believe that I know better than God, and now I'm going to behave out of that belief, and so I'm not going to totally destroy everything like God commanded me to do, right? I'm going to kind of pick and choose. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. You ever done that? Have you ever in arrogance known a clear direction from God, but then in out of arrogance, aka pride, you said to yourself, "Well, I know better. I can just do what I want to do." And I know God said to do this and but I'm going to kind of be selective. I'm going to selectively obey God, right? I'm going to do some of what God says, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all of what he says because this meets my need and that meets my need, right? See how arrogance, pride is a truth killer. God speaks truth. Arrogance intervenes. Pride, I know better. And now truth is diluted and the lie goes up. What's the lie? I get to determine what's good and evil. I get to determine what's good for me i am god see how the devil is so involved in that so that's number 2 right first was being afraid that's a truth killer being arrogant is a truth killer number 3 being alone is a truth killer and in this in this instance we see david and we see david lying to himself see if you can pick up the scenario this also is in the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 11. It says this, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. So we see a situation that infamously becomes David's adultery with Bathsheba. But where did the adultery start? It started with David phoning in his responsibility, At this time, kings are supposed to be with their men. That was his responsibility. But then he decided that, well, I'll just phone that in. I have an army and uh, I'll stay here. So instead of being with his guys, fighting battles and winning victories where God wanted him to be, he's out of place. He's all alone by himself. And it's kind of like he's bored. Like, I know who I am there, but I really don't know what to do here. I'm kind of bored. And so he does a little roof surfing. And he sees something that he shouldn't be seeing. And then that triggers his mental Mustang. (laughs) And whatever you put in your head, your mind will mate with. And he's taking it all in, if you know what I mean. And then all of a sudden, he starts to... Think thoughts and believe things that are lies. But where did it start? It started out by him choosing isolation versus connection. And it's just true of human beings that when we are by ourselves and we are out of place, where we're not where we're supposed to be, um, we're not supposed to be in the places where God has called us to be. And For David, it was so obvious that he wasn't supposed to be by himself. He was supposed to be with his army, with Joab, right, going off to war. That's where he was supposed to be. But then he took himself out of there, isolated himself. And in isolation, guess what? There's no protection. It's just like, you know, if you're a group of lions who are hunting, what do you do in order to take down a meal. You isolate someone from the herd. However you can do it, whatever tactic you need to do. You know what the Bible says? That Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. And when he can isolate you, he can now begin to lie to you freely. You, your protection is gone. and And you can believe these lies and then Oh, because you're by yourself, there's no one around you who's giving you input. There's no responsibility. There's no activity. There's no, there's there's nothing to do. Now you're just like open, vulnerable, shields down, people not there. And now you begin to take in things and now you don't know where to go. And then you wander into a situation like David did. And that's the beginning of the end for that, that moment. And this is instructive, right? Isolation kills the man of God. Connection would have conquered. And there are many of you listening to the sound of my voice right now, wherever you are. Some of you guys are in your living room. Some of you guys are on a jog. Some of you guys are watching on your computer. And you're isolated. You're not connected. Can I just tell you that your isolation is a truth killer? It is fertile soil in your isolation to get wrong thoughts planted in your head out of your boredom or isolation and to believe those things and to start doing things in private, right, that you wouldn't do in a group. And so that's why here at Everyman, we're just all about connection over isolation. Why? Because we know that isolation is a truth killer. Number four truth killer comes out of uh, the book of Genesis and Cain, and that's being angry, right? Being afraid is a truth killer, being arrogant is a truth killer, being alone. Being angry is a truth killer. You know, they call uh, in, in psychology and in mental health circles uh, that, that anger is a blinding emotion, right? Think about that. Anger goes up, you're not seeing clearly, right? And then you make decisions in, in, at the peak of that, you're angry and you're vulnerable and anger, because your your emotions are blinded, now you're vulnerable, right? You're blind to the truth, but you're open to the lie. And we read in Genesis chapter 4 we, about Cain and how Cain is blinded by his anger, and then he, he acts out. He believes in the lie that's deposited in the midst of that anger that I got to take my brother out. I got to murder him. Wow. And I know that all of you can identify this. So let's read and, and unpack this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What a sad situation, right? Where someone, God in this instance, says, hey, I know you're sad, and that sadness is turning to anger, right? Very human process. And God is saying, listen, you're gonna do what's wrong, but just do what is right. You're gonna to have to rule over that anger. In other words, you're gonna to have to act like a man, right? A man has self-control. A man can feel emotions and not act them out. Immature men, boys, toddlers, they just act out their emotions. And you see how God tries to intervene, and he creates this picture. And I don't know if you've ever seen a building with a gargoyle that's over an entrance. And it's sort of like God and, and Cain, God's saying, hey, can I have a word? And they're in the house, and God's having a word, and there's a, there's a gargoyle right over the door. So if Cain leaves the conversation still believing the lie that he needs to kill his brother, uh, that, that, that gargoyle, that, that evil, is crouching at the door, except for it's real. It's the devil. Sin is crouching at the door. Satan is crouching at the door. Satan is the liar and the father of lies and a murderer. See the juxtaposition, how Jesus describes Satan? This is it in full force. And then Cain, blinded by his anger, right, moves forward in that anger, mutes truth, what God is saying, and kills his brother. Wow, 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 wow. See how anger, unaddressed, unresolved anger, uh, can be a truth killer? If we let it fester, if we let the resentment fester, if we build that wall, We build that wall against the truth. We keep being bitter. We keep being resentful. And that wall builds and builds and builds and builds, so much so that even if God himself intervenes and speaks to us, that man goes through with that action. He believes the lie, deposited in the midst of his anger, believes believes the next one, believes the next one, believes the next one, believes the next one, feeds on it, feeds on it, feeds on it. The wall's too high. Truth comes. Can't make its way through that wall of lies and anger. And then, as Jesus predicts, the lying leads to murdering. And behind the lying and the murdering is Satan himself. Alright, let's move to the last example of truth-killing. Being afraid is a truth-killer, being arrogant, being alone, being angry. Next, being absorbed by activity. We see this in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10, very famous passage of Scripture. You got Jesus retreating to Bethany. It's sort of like uh, his retreat uh, to get away from the crowds and recover and renew. And so he comes to Bethany, and Mary and Martha would always welcome him uh, into their home, and Lazarus was their brother. So we pick up a story in, in Luke 10:39. Martha welcomed him into, into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him, Jesus, and said, "'Lord, do you not care that my sister "'has left me to do all the serving alone? "'Then tell her to help me.' But the Lord answered her and said, "'Martha, Martha, you're worried "'and bothered about so many things, But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So you see the compare, contrast, right? Truth, Jesus is in the house, in person. Jesus is speaking truth, in person. Mary says, wow, we're getting ready for Jesus. I got to kind of pump the brakes, slow down so that I can hear the man of truth speak words of truth. And Jesus says, that's the example you need right there. That's that's what you should have done. Martha is operating on the tyranny of the urgent. She actually believes that all of these, these preparations are more important to Jesus than being with Jesus, right? That her actions are more important than her connections to her sister, to Jesus, and what we see very clearly is distraction and self-absorption in all these activities, all the things that I have to do, you know, to, and it's, not, it's it's important to, to Martha, but it's not important to Jesus. So there's your first compare-contrast. Somehow, Mary knows that what's important to, to Jesus is sitting at her feet and listening to him, right? Martha, is and she she's getting truth. Martha thinks that the activities, the prep, the meal, the the you know the house, the external things, those are more important, but they're not. And so now she she believes that. And now she guess what she's missing out on. She's missing out on on the truth, right? And because she believes the myth, the more that I do, you know, the better it is for this situation. And Jesus is going, no, the more you do. The worse it is for this situation because you're missing out on the truth, right? So, we get a, a principle out of this, right? When it comes to truth versus lies, you have to slow, right, to know truth versus go and be a person of truth. And I know because I have so many high performers who watch this live stream, you guys are high achievers, you're high energy, you got good motors. And you are always, it's always the next thing, right? And it's difficult for you, like it is for me, I confess, to slow to know truth and to hear truth, to carve out time, like like Mary did. Sit with the Lord, right? Your, Your schedules, everything on your desk and your schedule and all the things that you gotta do, they're all gonna be there, right? But we're gonna tithe the first part of our day and slow down, be with Jesus so that he can make more of the rest of our day, right? And, And bless us, right? You gotta slow to see truth. You gotta slow down to hear truth. You gotta slow down to take in and internalize truth. And that's the example here in scripture where it's like, Jesus is like, man, Mary has chosen the right part. All right, let's turn the corner. There's your truth killers, being afraid, being arrogant, being alone, being angry, being absorbed by activity, and I'm sure there's more, but those are some really good ones that we need to apply. Now, let's look at truth builders, which are synonymous with table turners because we got to turn the, turn the tables on truth killers and start putting in some truth builders that are going to help us slow a little bit to know truth. And the first truth builder is this, and and everybody knows this, it's hard to apply, knowing God loves you. Knowing God loves you. It's much easier to slow to hear truth, receive truth, uh, and internalize truth and live out truth when you know the motive of the person. Don't you love people who tell you the truth? You know, whether, whether that truth uh, makes you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside or whether that truth maybe stings a little bit, but you know that they love you, right? And when you know God loves you, right, um, there is an openness to truth. We got a passage here on our downloaded notes in Romans chapter eight. Listen to what it says. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to circle but in all these things, right? So life throws stuff at us and... A lot of times the challenges that life throws at us presents dilemmas and it gets in the way of either where we were headed or where we wanted to go or a hope or a want or a need or a desire and then then we're we're faced with the choice well what are we going to do are we going to run ahead and, and try to do it anyway and 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 the end justifies the means and try to try to just kind of convince ourselves and rationalize going ahead, or is God at work? Does God love me? Is God using this in my life? And knowing that the God who loves you uh, is present and at work, that conquers, right? That conquers fear. It conquers, love always conquers fear. So in the moment, we don't have to panic, right? Maybe we pray, but we don't have to panic. Because when we're anxious and afraid, that's when we're open to the lie. So just knowing God loves you takes being afraid out of the picture. Afraid is a truth killer. And knowing God loves us is a truth builder. Secondly, knowing God is able. So combine the first truth builder with the second. God loves me. Oh, and by the way, knowing God is able. a situation happens and maybe it doesn't go as we plan. And so knowing God loves us is a fear killer, don't have to be afraid, but then knowing God is able, right? God's sovereign, God's in control, right? His love toward us is his attitude toward us. His ability reflects his capacity. So when you know that God loves you and God's able, he has plenty of capacity, then it's like, well, he must be up to something because he loves me and he's able. I tell myself that all the time and I encourage you to say this with me. Say God loves me. Say God is able. Man, just that is foundational, right? For truth building in your life. Now I can I don't have to be afraid. I know God's going to take care of me. That also eliminates fear. He's able, he has capacity. Man, that's those are that those are both fear killers. And we we've learned that that fear starting in the garden, always kind of opens us up to a lie. And the devil knows it. And if you forget that God loves you and God is able to take care of you and is sovereign and is over whatever's happening in your life, um, then you're going to be open to the lie. Third, uh, well, let's look at a scripture. Let's go back uh, to God is able. Romans chapter 4 right it says this yet he did not waver through unbelief speaking of abraham regarding the promise of god but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to god listen to what abraham says being fully persuaded that god had power to do what he had promised there you go here you got a guy who's over 100 years old god promises him that him and his wife who's also over 100 is going to have a baby and uh, you know the clock's running out but here you go you know god's able He's able to take this old body and he looks at his body and without losing faith, it's hilarious to think that. It's like, oh, no. But God can do it. (laughs) Let's go, babe. (laughs) One of the most hilarious situations in scripture. But I love the description of Abraham's attitude. Be fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promises? You know, God's a promise keeper. He's not a promise breaker. God can keep every promise, you know. But we have to believe that he's able. In Ephesians 3.20, it kind of puts the the seal on this idea uh, when it comes to the fact that God is able. It says this, Now to him who is able, circle that, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. So there's that connective... Uh, line from us to God. Yeah, he's able. Oh, by the way, we're connected to him. So he loves us and he's able. Number three, a truth builder, right? Knowing God is wise. See how it's our vision of God increases the truth of God in us. God loves us. God is able. God is wise. You know, the psalmist, This psalmist in Psalm 119, he knows his God. Listen to what he says. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. See, he knows his God. He knows God loves him. He knows God is able. He knows God is wise. So when God speaks truth, he listens, right? And he wins. He gets a victory over his enemies and one of his enemies is the devil. One of your enemies is the devil. You got a couple other enemies. You got the world and you got the flesh. The liars, right? Which Satan is in charge of, right? World, flesh, devil. All lie to us, right? But God is wise and he makes us wiser than our enemies. You see, his commands, his words, his truth, and it puts us in a whole different category. Enemies here, God's commands, God's word, we get, we're wiser. We're wiser than that, right? And, and that should move us to God's word, right? The truths that we need to obey, the commands uh, we need to obey, the promises we need to trust and believe, right? Your commands are always with me. Question. Is God's word always with you? Is his wisdom follow you around? Is his wisdom in you? So truth builder and table turner, knowing God loves you, knowing God is able, knowing God is wise, right? A lot of times I'll just tell people, say this with me, God loves me, God is able and God is wise. Fear goes down, keeps the liar at bay. His lies have less of effect on me because I'm good, I'm not afraid and his truth in my life goes up. Number four, truth builder is knowing God's word is trustworthy. This has all been very connected, but where do we learn that God loves us? Where do we learn that God is able? Where do we learn that God is uh, wise, right? It's knowing that God's word is trustworthy, okay? Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's me and you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, you ever talk to a person who has tribal knowledge that you don't have? Like my friend Jeff, he's, he's the master carpenter, right? I go to Jeff when I have carpentry things, why? Because he has tribal knowledge. My friend Paul, he does loans. Right? He does mortgage loans, so if there's a loan issue or we're going to refinance our house or something like that, I go to my friend Paul. Why? Because he has tribal knowledge, right? Or maybe um, there's, there's a car guy, and you're like, you know, we have all these guys that we go to because they have tribal knowledge in an area that we don't. And my point is we implicitly trust them because they have expertise in that area, Right? Now let's make the application. God has tribal knowledge for life (laughs) in every dimension, in every facet, in every way. And we find out that tribal knowledge and what he understands and how he sees things and his directions right here. And you can trust it, right? So we're going to go to the next truth builder, but we're going to go back to uh, the, the fill-in that I didn't fill in. I, I skipped one. And this is the next truth builder. It's knowing God has my best interests in mind. Right? And we read about this in Romans eight, thirty one and 32. It says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, Who could be against it? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things?" See, the lie is that God somehow is, is, is holding back. He's a withholder. No, he's not. He's a giver for God so loved that he gave. And the Apostle Paul is so smart to tell believers in Rome, like, hey, God loves you, God is able, God is wise, but hey, also, he's got your best interest in mind. If God's holding back something, it's not because he's punishing you, it's because he loves you. He's not a withholder, he's a blesser, right? And, you know, he, he kind of makes it a rhetorical thing. He says, if God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, his son, give us all things, right? He knows, he knows what's best for you. Right? So the message is relax. Don't be afraid. God loves you. He's able. He's wise. He has your best interest in mind. His word is trustworthy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if God is delaying something, a need, a want, a desire, a hope, that he has your best interest in mind? Do you believe that? Um, If you're a dad out there Sometimes your kids don't believe you have their best interest in mind, right? Especially like when it comes to, I don't know, sugar. <laughs> or just spoiling them. That you have the, the bigger picture, you know, and you know them and you're wiser than them and you make decisions and they don't understand it. They might even throw a temper tantrum, all right? Don't do that with God, man of God. Don't do that with your heavenly Father. He's so wise. He's so loving. He's so able. He has your best interest in mind. And and if, if something's not working out according to your watch, God doesn't wear your watch. He's concerned about you. And so you can kind of rest. You see how all these things are kind of putting the mute button on fear. And when fear is out of the picture, man, truth wins out. All right. Lastly truth builder and a table-turner on lies is knowing God's Spirit is in me to speak to me. Fill that in. Let's read Galatians chapter four, verse six. It says this, because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. We call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a when you believe the first thing that happens is God puts his spirit in you. But everybody who's baptized or where the spirit is placed inside of you, not, not every person is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's a daily thing. It's sort of like on my phone, I have applications. But they don't go to work for me until I activate and use them. Just think about your Maps application on your phone. Right? You want direction? Okay, you might have it right? It's loaded into your phone. That's just like the Holy Spirit is loaded in at salvation, comes into you, right? But just like that app, you got to activate my Maps application and put a direction in there and then listen, right? The Holy Spirit that's in you, you got to partner with the Holy Spirit. You got to ask God to fill you with His Spirit, empower you, direct you, control you, lead you by His Spirit, right? Look at what it says. In John 14, Jesus said, this is how it works. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, when that is in operation, when the spirit of truth is in operation, right, the lie is out of operation. And this is where I would encourage you to really develop a close relationship with God's spirit that lives in you. Say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, teach me. And then after activation, you listen. And what will the Holy Spirit say? What What does that sound like? Well, the Holy Spirit will prompt you in your mind to do whatever shows love for God and people because the Holy Spirit of God will never contradict the word of god the holy spirit will never prompt you to do something that isn't in his word that's how you know so keep it simple keep it strong right the holy spirit's talking when you're being prompted to do something that shows love for god and love for people the holy spirit speaks his truth to you right so that's how we turn the tables guys on listening to lies in our life to listening to truth know that God loves you, love eliminates fear, know that God is able. When you know that God is able and over and sovereign and powerful, well, then that makes fear go down, all right? He loves me, he's able, right? He's wise, smart for me. He has my best interests in mind. I can trust him fully when he speaks, and oh, by the way, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? All of those dynamics in a relationship with God Make fear go down, right? And give truth a chance to come into your life. And it's all about your, your view of God and your relationship and connection to God, all right? So after we read all of these things, what's the goal, all right? Now that we know all these truth builders, write this down. The goal is to apply more and analyze less. When you know God loves you, God is able, God is wise, God has your best interest in mind, God's word is trustworthy and God's spirit's in me. When all that stacks up, we don't need to analyze when God talks anymore. He says something, we apply what he says. We don't analyze what he says. Why? Because God has tribal knowledge. God knows. God's telling you the truth. He's not going to lie to you. And isn't that the issue? God will never lie to you. Don't you listen to people you know that won't lie to you? You know that you know. Man, that person always tells me the truth. I'm going to listen to them, right? Right? I mean, listen to what Jesus says on this whole theme of applying more of what he says versus analyzing, right? Which is what Satan wants you to do. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Listen to Jesus' talk. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, application, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, circle that, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. You see, lies are the shaky foundation. Lies cause the house, your life to collapse, but truth heard, listen, and applied. I love Jesus that he says, hey, if you're a follower of me and you call me Lord, Lord, when I talk, you do. It's not I talk and you debate, discuss, and analyze, right? And if when I talk, you do what I say, you're building this foundation so that when the delays come, or the difficulties come, or the tribulations, or the challenges, or your needs, wants, desires, and hopes are unrealized, you're gonna be okay. Why? Because you know truth, and you apply truth, and you have a right view of God, which means you're living the right life in God. He loves you, he's able, he's wise. He has your best interests in mind, right? Let's pound that home, go back through this. Tell yourself, get these truths into your heart and spirit, all right? So God wants us to turn the tables. He wants us at times to confront ourselves. Sometimes he wants us to confront other people. We see things going in the bad direction. We step in, we confront it, we recognize it, we get it going in the right direction. Sometimes God puts us in situations where we see injustice, there's suffering, right? That's going the wrong direction. God wants us to turn the tables, put it in the right direction, right? Sometimes we, we can be in the lie like a river, right? And it's headed one way, and God wants us to confront lies. we got to get good at it, but we can't confront lies unless we're building truth in our lives. So remember what the, the, the truth killers are and start working on the, the, the truth builders, right? And so let's pray, and let's pray some of these truths right now. All right, let's, let's bow our heads wherever you are. Let's just confess what God says is true about himself and about us. Father, we confess right now your truths, that you love us completely. You accept us fully. God, that's your attitude toward us. And so we can relax. The God of the universe, the God who made us, is a God who loves us completely. Jesus, thank you that you demonstrated that love on the cross, that your commitment is beyond question. You gave it all. You gave your very life. And that gives us peace, that you love us that much. God, help us in the midst of our difficulties, things that overwhelm, that you love us. It surrounds us, even in the midst of what feels like a crucifixion, you're planning a resurrection. God, help us to remember today that you're able. That also makes our fear go down. You love us and you're able. You have capacity for us. You can do immeasurably more, and and because things aren't happening how we want it and when we want it, doesn't mean that you're not able to do it. It means that your love is surrounding your timing. And God, thank you for your wisdom. That also informs how you deal with us. And remembering that you're wise and that you have our best interest in mind, that's comforting. It makes the fear in me go down and it helps me to be patient. And it helps me to reject the lies which are telling me that you don't and that I should hurry and that I should meet my own needs, that I should take charge, that I should decide. No, I reject the lies of the enemy and I affirm and believe that you're wise and you have the right timing. God, thank you for your word that every letter of every word, of every sentence, of every paragraph, of every chapter is trustworthy. It's God-breathed. Thank you that You have tribal knowledge, God, about me, life, who I am, what my purpose is, where I'm headed. And so thank you for that. Thank you that it's rock solid. And Jesus, thank you that your spirit, it's in me. Reminding me of all these things, leading me, revealing the Father to me. Thank you for putting your Holy Spirit in me to speak to me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me, Holy Spirit, control me, and help me, Holy Spirit, not to analyze truth, but to apply it and obey it promptly. And that is what you said, Jesus, will keep the foundation of my life strong, is if I hear your truth and I practice your truth, there will be a foundation of truth in my life so that when difficulty comes, I won't be vulnerable to the lie but I will stand on the rock of your truth. Thank you for giving me your truth today. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's men said, Amen. We'll see you next week for part five of Turning the Tables.